And so if you have your Bibles, please open up with me a familiar place of Scripture that contains the depths of the wisdom and the knowledge of God that is not yet known to us, that the Holy Spirit with great hunger desires to give to us if our heart is ready to listen. The book of Matthew 5, 45 and 48 that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. The sermon that I would like to continue is called Called to Perfection. We shall remember that the perfection of the Heavenly Father is that when He sends His reigns upon the just and unjust, then the reigns bless the righteous and the just one and gives it to them. He gives it to them in measure and timely. But when it's on the unjust, then these reigns are sent not in measure and not timely. Either they're not there at all, or there's very few of them, or there's so much of it that it drowns them. When he shines his sun upon the good, then it caresses them, it warms them, it gives them life. The sun is life, and it can also be death. When it's the unjust, then he burns it them with his wrath. <clears throat> so don't deceive yourselves. See, God loves the one and the other as if God is tolerant. God is holy. And holiness <coughs> excludes any tolerance. And so when it says that you may be, this is a commandment. This is a promised commandment, is the inheritance of the saints of all generations, and this commandment of Christ is, is addressed specifically to his students. Therefore, people who do not acknowledge the power of the person sent by God over themselves, they have no part in the inheritance of this commandment and most likely will never be able to have it. For the most part, the Church of Saints is filled not with students. There are very few students. Everyone desires to be a teacher, all interpret, all have their own mind. <clears throat> I mean, symbolically, that's what people say, I have my own mind, I have my own opinion. <clears throat> when you stop having your own opinion and you start being like-minded and one-hearted, then you will demonstrate Christ. This is where you will be of unity of heart. One person states the truth and all agree because it's from God. But when one says, I don't agree to this, this is not my opinion, you, there will never be a unity of mind or heart because there's no structure, there's no order in the body of Christ. The order that's in the body of Christ is as an order that consists or exists within the body of a man. When the inner organs <coughs> decide not to listen, or makes the decision that today what you fed your body was not what they preferred to be fed. Let us select uh, another to be the mind, the uh, liver or another organ to be uh, or, or gland to be, uh, take the place of the mind. If you can imagine, uh, it's the same as you ate something you decided, decided that you didn't want to eat and then you blame the head for this, the mind. The members of the body, they voluntarily uh, listen to the mind because the mind is the one that has the ability to decide what is best and keep everything in order and allow the body the ability to live. Remove these things and it will not be a person but just a vegetable, truly a vegetable. Yes, it'll be looking like a human being. There, We know people like this. As one individual a journalist was asked, what are you most afraid of, death or something else? He says, no, I'm not afraid of death. I'm an atheist. You know what I'm afraid of, he says. I'm afraid that my mind, uh, I, lo I lose my mind, and I don't know that I lost it that the mind will go away from me and I won't even know it, I'll be as a vegetable. I see people in their age and that's what I'm afraid of. 
Of course, they need to be afraid of this. Atheism is also a faith. This is not just a conviction that somehow there's nothing. They still make decisions with their mind. Why can't you reject the mind? How do you reject the given uh, the lawgiver without uh, without uh, accepting the law? They say the rules of the universe. So, what did the rules of the universe uh, happen for themselves? Did they come out come about by themselves? A a wise individual, someone had implemented these laws and and this order. How is it that the laws of the universe that have such great organization, how is it that <coughs> the law was exi is existing without a lawgiver? <coughs> As it says, the foolish said in their heart, there is no God. <coughs> Atheism is such a faith <coughs> that is strange, that believes in nothing, <coughs> that from nothingness something has happened or has come out of nothingness. <coughs> you need to be an absolute, as it were, idiot uh, and a person with a damaged mind to be able to believe this, that something uh, came about from an explosion. Christian people say God created all things with his words. This is what they believe in. You see, faith is wise. It comes from information that comes from God. The, these are not emotions, but for them, their faith is as if some kind of uh, some kind of uh, germ, some kind uh, microbial had uh, somehow come about and uh, brought forth some kind of power, uh, some kind of foolishness that they present. Uh, for these things. If there's no God and we don't see him, uh, that means he's not there, they say. <clears throat> and so I ask them, I don't see your mind, so you do not have one? You can catch them in any situation as little children. I, as a kid, always uh, asked questions and I was very happy to uh, talk to atheists. I would come and ask them the question, tell me, what was first, the chicken or the egg? According to your logic, uh, he, he says to the teacher, uh, I said to the teacher, was it the chicken or the egg? And they couldn't respond to the question. Why? <clears throat> because they reject with their heart. And so people that say that there's a God, but they don't acknowledge God's structure, God's order. They are worse than atheists. They sit in the church. They uh, rub holes in their pants. Uh, they say, I have my own intellect. <clears throat> the Church of Christ uh, needs to acknowledge that Christ is their head, and this head will be represented by an individual person placed by him, a, not a group of people that were elected. <clears throat> and so relevant to fulfilling this required commandment, we stop to study the purpose of the righteousness of God in the heart of a man, specifically the goals that the righteousness of God abiding within our heart is called to pursue. And in part, we've been studying the purpose of the righteousness of God within our heart received by us in the two broken tablets where we die by the law, for the law, to live for the one that died and resurrected, and by doing so receive confirmation of our salvation in the new tablets of the covenant in the format of the law of the spirit of life so that we provide God a basis to give us the promise to be heirs of peace not by the past law but by the righteousness of faith like he gave it to Abraham and his seed for the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law but through the righteousness of faith Romans 4.13 <clears throat> It's interesting, we need to understand this thought that when God, before the tablets that needed to be broken so that there be new tablets, why? Because to break these tablets is to 
to invest them in order to receive the fullness of, of justification in the new tablets of the co covenant because justification that we receive by right of our birth from the seed of the word of truth in Jesus Christ when we come to God we haven't done anything yet it does isn't given to us as something that's personal it is given to us as a guarantee as promise we receive this guarantee but we need to save our souls and in order to receive it as, as a personal thing for your own justification, you need to die in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the fruit of righteousness in his resurrection, receive your justification. When we bring the fruits of righteousness, we bear these fruits of righteousness, and to do this you need to be righteous. On the righteous only the righteous can bear righteousness, but if you attempt to become righteous and then perform righteousness and you become righteous because you perform righteous works, then this is, uh, this is a net, this is a catch, this is uh, something that you've convinced yourself that's untrue. You can't be born a water or a planter because it says that God said to Abraham, I shall make you a father of many nations. He wasn't born the father of many nations. He needed to do something in order for him to become the father of many nations. And if God will not do this, and Abraham would not have done this, he would not have received this position. He received this in Isaac. In Isaac, your seed shall be called. From there shall come the multitude of nations. He needed to receive the seed of promise and received this for himself even though his wife was barren was not able to bear children anymore and by faith when he received this and this needed to be converted invested and converted so that you could receive it for yourself as something personal many years had passed he called and looked at the stars and proclaimed that not existent that he saw as existent considered himself dead to sin living for God until finally God said the time has come after a year you shall have a son that is the same thing here we shall wait as long as necessary that Satan will say what you're already dying it's better for me to die in faith than to become disappointed in God many saints died in faith not having received the promise but they died in the faith that they without us would not receive perfection it's not talking about the perfection that it's referring to be perfect perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect <clears throat> but the perfection when we receive the promise about the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ this is what they believed in but were not able to receive it <clears throat> because they then without us would have achieved this perfection and we would not have been able to then be born uh, to this uh, uh, to this perfection <clears throat> they needed to give the last generations the opportunity to receive this adoption and receive it here. <clears throat> they called themselves dead to and, and considered themselves dead to sin, living for God, and they thanked God that they were carriers of the heavenly body, as we today are doing. And so the righteousness of faith is determined by the obedience of our faith to the faith of God, which is presented in the preached word, preached word of God sent persons and the person who is a father from God to us. When we begin to consider ourselves dead to sin, living for God, proclaim the not existent as existent, then we perform righteousness. We, when we begin to do this, we already begin to perform righteousness because in the beginning we need to be convinced that we are justified. And so the promise of the peace of God is only given to those men who are obedient to the order of God in accordance to which God sends us his word by the mouth of his delegated ones. And we're talking here about uh, theocracy, the, the structure of theocracy. Therefore, the covenant of peace within the heart of a man is the result of the obedience of his faith to the faith of God, which are the spoken words of God's delegated ones. It is by the means of the righteousness of faith, the covenant of peace presented in the inheritance of peace is called to abide and be within the heart of a man, evidence of the fact that he is a child of God. 
Therefore, the inheritance of the peace, abiding within the covenant of peace, is actually the treasury of our hope in God, containing the bond of all of the promises of God. The achievement of these is the goal of the given to us righteousness. <clears throat> Again, by righteousness, we are able to receive these promises. When we believe, when we receive into our heart and we confess that this is mine, may be according to your word, Lord. As soon as you hear a promise, you can immediately, I preach, and you can immediately say, as soon as you hear this and you hear this in your heart, you say, Lord, thank you, may be according to your word. And there you can already begin to confess that it is yours because you've received it. If a person does not receive it, then nothing will happen. Mary would never have been able to have Jesus, bear Jesus, if she would not have accepted the words spoken by the angel that you will bear from the Holy Spirit. He shall come upon you and what shall be born from you will be holy. And she said, may be according to your word. And as soon as she said this, may be according to your word, this was the time when she conceived. When you say, may be according to your word, when you hear a promise, this is the time of your conception of the promise in your heart. The promises are our, our sons and daughters. <clears throat> you conceive and then you water it, you grow it, and <clears throat> the devil, the flesh may say, nothing, nothing is happening, uh, and nothing's in your pocket, you have no money, you have nothing. They, they bring lots of disappointments, but you don't pay attention to this. You continue to water it and look at it, at these promises. You look at it calmly because you're already saved. You already carry within your heart, and it's not important to you uh, what uh, others say. There's prophecies say that California will 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 be uh, covered by water or, or Oregon. What is the difference? Whether it be an atomic bomb that will blow up, I am saved. I am saved. When they told one brother he was here in this church, I gave him word at one point, he was offered an entire island, any of and millions of dollars, just so that the invention that he had he had created that he not uh, that, that that he not uh, bring about in the world or make it known to other people. Uh, and they threatened him by blowing a, a, his car up if he would not listen to these things. And he said, well, you can't scare me with heaven. You can't, uh, you can't threaten me with heaven. And so if someone kills us according to the, for the truth or for the sake of the truth, if the Lord, uh, don't think that you can kill just anyone whenever you would like, especially the children of God, you can kill the children of God only when God allows that. Jesus said to Pilate, you would not have this power or authority if it would not have been given to you from above. We need to perfectly understand those things. And so it is righteousness by the means of the peace of God contained in the covenant of peace that can and is called to guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God, where it says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 6, 7. The peace of God that is able to guard our minds in Christ Jesus is the mind that is renewed by the spirit of our mind, which is the mind of Christ in our spirit. Because for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life in peace, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. The carnal mind, how much? How can I make more money? The mind of Christ, how is it that this old nature stop reminding me of itself? How can I make it that my mouth become clean and that my sons uh, will be as Plants, blessed is the man 
who had bore uh, sons and they're as arrows in his quiver and they're blessed because they're vigilant at the gate and they will not allow the enemy to enter. You don't need to watch, oh, maybe I'm going to say something uh, and say something that will be against myself. You'll be calm because you'll have the fruits of the Spirit, your sons, the wisdom of God. You will know what you need to say, how to say it, and who to say it to. And, how, and when to be quiet. And so, carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. The mind of Christ, how to get to know God and open up your calling, the adoption of your body by the redemption of Christ. What else I need to do? This is life in peace. Again, carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Romans 8, 6 through 8. According to the given place, we conclude that people that refuse the condition where the truth of the preached word and the power of the Holy Spirit renews their mind by the spirit of their mind have no part to the, to the peace of God and are not able to have it. And consequently, such people have no part and cannot, cannot have a part to the sons of peace by whom the mean, by the means of the peace of God with they will inherit eternal salvation in the kingdom of, of heaven. We need to apprehend well that only collaborating our spirit with our renewed mind that is within Christ Jesus that we are called to enthrone the resurrection of Christ in our body and clothe our body into the resurrection of Christ. Relevant to this we stop to look at the fourth question by what signs do we examine ourselves that we are the sons of peace and are the sons of God because it is only by the rule of the peace of God within our heart that we are able to examine ourselves as to whether we are the truly the sons of God Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God, Matthew 5, 9. Only people that perform peace are able to be called sons of God, those who perform God's peace. And in order to perform God's peace, it is necessary to have peace within your heart. A person who has peace within his heart has prepared their heart to listen and comes and sits calmly and he has no rebellion. They don't say, it's not possible to listen. What is he saying? What are these words that he says? They already beforehand, it is written upon his heart what the preacher will say. And if he says something that's not uh, written upon their heart, then they can't listen because it is, of course, the untruth that he has written in his heart. If a person has not died for his nation, for the house of his father, and for his fleshly life, then the justification that he received in salvation by faith in Christ Jesus in the format of a guarantee, this justification will never turn into the quality and format of righteousness where he would be able to receive the ability to be clothed into the inheritance of the peace of God. And this is why the crown of righteousness shall be taken from such people, giving them the right to the promise of peace, in which, which then gives, us, gives them the right to be called sons of God. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. Revelations 3.11. Hold fast what you have. The crown of righteousness. Here we're talking about the crown of righteousness. Your righteousness can be taken from you if you will not obtain it for yourself as something personal for yourself. If you receive it as a guarantee, that mean, does not mean it's yours. Be careful. You need to go and find the means to present to the owner of this house that you can pay for the entire house but if you don't have the means and the bank hasn't given you anything then the guarantee that you have will be lost it won't be returned to you why is it that you uh, taken the time of this other person he could have already sold his house but you had taken up his time you you convinced this person that you're able to purchase the time passes uh, there's a time when this uh, this down payment, this investment is turned. You can't, again, fulfill the commandments of God when you want, how you want, but when God uh, commands and upon God's conditions to come out of spiritual infancy to 
to die by the Lord Jesus for your nation, the house of your father, and for your destructive desires. When you desire to do this, if it won't be in the time that was given to you, nothing will work out. We need to remember that the promise of the peace of God obtains its power and its legitimacy within our heart only by the righteousness of our faith in the covenant of peace, which portions responsibility upon both sides of the covenant where each side that is responsible to fulfill their role that is implemented by God in the written word of the covenant of peace. And if one of the sides breaks the agreement that was made in the covenant of peace between God and man, we note that the only one that can do this is a man that can break this covenant, then the other participant of the covenant, being God, becomes free from the responsibility of fulfilling his part of the agreement that was made in the covenant of peace. Therefore, the fruit of righteousness is identified within our heart as the peace of God. This is evidence that we are sons of peace, and this serves as a legitimate basis for God to fulfill His part of the covenant of peace, which consists of leading us into the inheritance of His Son, so that we can share with Him the achievement of all that is written about Him in the laws, the prophets, and the Psalms. Again, what is written about Jesus Christ, the new body, the heavenly body, here on earth to receive it. Because justification that we receive by right of our birth from the seed of the word of truth has changed into the quality and format of righteousness where we receive the ability to bear fruits of peace within our relationship with God and with those around us. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Hebrews 12:14. And so, again, peace we can only have only within holiness. We note that we're talking about such a unique and unearthly peace that is to be done by God only within the boundaries of holiness or be an expression and demonstration of holiness whose boundaries are the commandments of God's contained in His righteousness. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Romans 12:18. This verse uh, speaks of the fact that it's not possible to have peace with all men. Therefore, peace that we dare to have because of the audacity of our mind to demonstrate using the ideas of our own mind out of the boundaries of holiness and not as a demonstration of holiness will be incriminated as a heavy form of lawlessness for which will be required to pay a price of losing eternal life because when we pervert the truth when we add to it when we say well I understand that this is this should be like this this is uh, witchcraft as the scriptures say I have made the decision that it would be better for God this way uh, and so again he made the decision so what he thought would be better instead of what God had commanded people say but we don't understand things like this or as it is written in the Bible our opinions are different from it I understand that if I drink a little bit of wine then I will not inherit uh, hell together with the fornicators and other sinners the scriptures say this is so and when you pervert the truth then this is witchcraft before the eyes of God and so our fellowship or communication with people that the scriptures ascribe to corrupt company will perverse or corrupt our good habits and will transform us into their wicked image do not be tolerant do not be democrats you see what they have done within our country look what they have done they are trying to change this country into a chaos and the church needs to pray because they will destroy this country. Europe, the united Europe, who will be led by this son of, of, of death. Uh, they have tolerance. How is it a country that for 70 uh, plus percent of the people are Protestants? Can, that vote for Democrats that pretend to be Christian being themselves satanic and being atheists and so forth the church needs to pray and when they vote for Democrats do not vote for them and even if Republican you need to know what kind of Republican it is what kind of person this is because he can have the image of a Republican but still push forth ideas of tolerant uh, tolerance. 
And as we understand that in heaven or in hell, there is no democratic structure system that in both there and here and in hell, it is complete order, but only here on earth that people, the devil made up this, uh, this uh, plan for the empty-headed individuals who promote it. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Awake to righteousness and do not sin, for some do not have the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. 1 Corinthians 15, 34. What I'm saying now about uh, Democrats is uh, they allow me, so everything I say about them is something allowed according to their uh, idea. They say freedom of speech. <clears throat> Why is it then that they can speak and I can't? Then I can speak my own as I see them and who they really are. Therefore, it is impossible and criminal to have peace with the wicked and the lawless that support the wicked, who in their time had received the truth, but afterwards abandoned their church and turned away from the given to them holy commandments. The very fact of their rebellion and their hatred of the word given by the delegated people of God that are placed over them testifies of the fact that they have lost the peace of God and their heart is empty and members them to the, to the category of the wicked. But the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There's no peace, says my God, for the wicked. Isaiah 57, 20 through 21. In a specific format, we've already looked at six signs by which we need to determine and examine ourselves as to whether we are the sons of peace as well as the sons of God and have been studying the seventh sign. The seventh sign by which we need to determine that we are part of the sons of peace is by the ability to clothe our essence into the holy and selective love of God. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you, you were also called in one body, and be thankful. Colossians 3, 14, 15. We've noted that according to this place of scripture, the reign of the peace of God within our heart is possible only upon one condition, and that is if the selective love of God will abide within our heart, the holy love of God will abide within our heart, and if we will be clothed into the selective love of God, because God loves those who love him and hates those who hate him because Jesus died for his church and not for the whole world, for his church, and gave his life for them. God gave his only begotten son, not for anyone but everyone who believes in this world, not for the whole world again, but for those who believe in him. The very same Apostle John uh, writes later in this chapter, do not love the world or anything in this world. And so John 3.16 needs to be understood in this way. So God, God so loved the world, those in the world who believe in him that those who believe in him would have everlasting life that anyone who believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life this is the correct interpretation the the translation that was given here uh, whoever translated did not accurately translate it because if it is not if it's that how is it God then love the whole world if if only uh, who believe in him would not perish, how is it then that he loved the whole world? It needs to be translated accurately. Because if sometimes if you try to translate something uh, word for word, you have to, by the meaning of it, the essence of it, translate it to be able to have it accurate according to the original. And so when you speak, uh, you write phrases. Uh, they may sound as if one meaning but have a, another meaning or the complete opposite of it depends on the words you're saying. And it could mean both one or the other. By itself, the selective love of God is the inaccessible to our mind goodness of God or good work that is inherent to God. Since in the selective love of God, which is the atmosphere of the peace of God, we see concealed the good, wonderful, eternal, and uncomprehending for the human mind goals and works of God called to build a unique and peaceful relationship between God and exclusively with his children. Comprehending the selective love of God is called to fill us with the fullness of the peace of God or make us perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. He is full of peace in Himself. 
that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. This is the prayer of Apostle Paul for his church. And as I often say, you could take this place of scripture and pray it that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith or that Christ may dwell in my heart through faith that I be rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of God which passes knowledge that I may be filled with all of the fullness of God. And so take again this prayer and apply it for yourself and pray it, a wonderful prayer. When you understand it and pray about what you understand, you will receive a response to it. The selective love of God presented by the Holy Spirit in Scripture in seven unearthly qualities by the preached word of the apostles and prophets, 2 Peter 1, 2 through 8, virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. Each of these seven qualities of the fruits of virtue are in one the other, contain the characteristics of one the other. They flow one from the other, complete one the other, strengthen one the other, and confirm the truthful nature of one the other. Second, these qualities are called to be the moral perfection within our heart and an example inherent to our God. Third, the given qualities are the great and precious promises entrusted to us through Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ. Fourth, the given qualities presented in these seven characteristics are the imperishable treasure and unsearchable wealth of Christ with which we need to become rich. Fifth, in order to receive <clears throat> the inheritance of these qualities, these seven unchanging characteristics, it is necessary for us to receive the power of the Holy Spirit as the Lord and Master of our life. Sixth, the means that we are to use to receive the power of the Holy Spirit as the Lord and Master of our life <clears throat> is the obedience of our faith to the faith of God. Again, God's faith is the word of God. Our faith is obedience to that word. Seventh, by inheriting these great promises in the form of the fruits of, of the Spirit, we become a part of God's divine nature. The selective love of God demonstrated and the seven unchanging qualities and characteristics have nothing in common with and cannot have anything in common with the nature of human love, which is filled with egoism, is greedy, and is just temporary. Specifically, the fruits of the selective love of God contain the format of the seven unchanging qualities listed previously, this fruit is called to enthrone the resurrection of Christ in our body and clothe our body into the resurrection of Christ or into our new person. The selective love of God has no comparison to the tolerant love of man. Since the selective love of God is the eternally existing qualities, these qualities are the qualities of our Heavenly Father and his all-consuming holiness and it all that comes from God because God is love or more accurately he is holy love separated from all that man calls love and such an inaccessible for our mind transcendent love of God is identified in scripture as the bond of all perfection which indicates the fact that the selective love of God is placed by God first over the rest of his perfections identified as his goodness but above all these things put on love which is the bond of perfection Colossians 3.14 the bond of perfection of the selective love of God is unconditional when it comes to the seven qualities of virtue and so people who have in themselves these seven qualities of virtue this love or God's love for them is unconditional Unlike the tolerant and egotistical love of man, the unconditional nature of the selective love of God in the seven qualities of virtue is different in that it contains the burning jealousy of God, all his knowledge and his absolute wisdom that in no way is able to be used for greedy and egotistical purposes and goals of a man. At the same time, the tolerant love of man toward other men is very conveniently used for greedy and egotistical purposes here is what the scriptures say regarding the strength of the love of God. Set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm. For love is as strong as death, jealousy as cruel as the grave. Its flames are flames of fire, a most vehement flame. Many waters cannot quench love, nor can the floods drown it. If a man would give for love all the wealth of his house, it would be utterly despised. Songs of Solomon 8, 6-7. 
The measure of the love of God, and according to this place of scripture, the love of God is identified by and is known by the measure of God's hatred toward evil and men who do this evil. You have loved righteousness, hated lawlessness. Righteousness and lawlessness are programs. And to love these programs or to hate these programs out of their carriers is impossible. And so God has loved his uh, righteousness and the carriers of righteousness and has hated the lawlessness and the carriers of lawlessness. Only loving what God loves and hating what God hates, we are able to demonstrate God's perfection. The selective love of God by its unchanging nature in the format of the seven supernatural qualities is called to grow us into the fullness of the growth of Christ or the perfection that is like the perfection of our Heavenly Father. Considering, therefore, that these seven qualities identifying the selective love of God do not have an analog in the earthly realm of the human lexicon, or any dictionary of the world. The love of God is the foundation atmosphere of the moral and immovable law opening within our heart the essence of God and the essence of the heavenly kingdom. And this is not all. The love of God agape is a sovereign love which is unconditional when it comes to the people it chooses and its abilities to foreknow and predestine. Because of its sovereignty, the selective love of God never violates the sovereign rights of those people she selects, the sovereign boundaries with those people that she selects, and never allows her own sovereign rights within her boundaries to be violated. These boundaries identified as burning holiness. In a specific format, the seven qualities that together identify within our heart the goodness of God in the perfection of his selective love, we can already look at five qualities and we'll immediately look now at the sixth quality and this is brotherly love. <clears throat> the selective love of God revealing itself in brotherly love can abide and demonstrate itself exclusively in the atmosphere of eternal life where we have passed from death to life and were born from the seed of the word of truth. <clears throat> we receive it again as a guarantee it was not yet established. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love because he laid down his life for us. A person who is a murderer is, a one, is one that is not compassionate to his sufferings, is careless to his sufferings, or rejoices in his misfortunes. This is a person that is a murderer. He does not have eternal life and that would be able to abide within him. By this we know love because he laid down his life for us and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. I will remind us, when a person is born from God, he is faced with a choice, either to enter the state of death, because dead, uh, he becomes then dead to God and is useless for any good work, or enter into the state of eternal life that until now was not familiar with, uh, to him and becomes useful then for all the good work and demonstration of brotherly love. Every person that is born from God is put in the same situation that Adam was put in, in the Garden of Eden, to whom eternal life was offered in the fruits of the tree of life, and eternal death in the fruits of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Being a person of the flesh, Adam was called to eat of the fruits of the tree of life, so that his carnal body would change into a heavenly body. And so when the Lord breathed the breath of life into his nostrils, he became a living person, but not his spirit was not yet born. Again, the breath of life was a guarantee of life, and so that it would become his own, he needed to uh, eat of it. But to our misfortune, and unfortunately, he ate of the tree of death, and we today now have this bitterness inside of ourselves that is this old person that offends us he accuses us and he blemishes our joy.
In other words, in order to be born from God by the resurrection of Christ and by, and by doing so, become a carrier of the light of life of a different form <clears throat> where we would be able to present with ourselves the Sabbath of the Lord, where God would be able to obtain his eternal home and his eternal peace. It is necessary by the means of demonstrating brotherly love in your faith to obtain a specific state that would be able to become an atmosphere for the fortress of God. The flaming power of the love of God agape revealing itself in brotherly love is concealed in the commandments that are implemented by God. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you, and will be in you, John 14, 15 through 17. According to the given place of scripture, to demonstrate the selective love of God and brotherly love is possible by fulfilling two conditions, following the commandments of the Lord, which regulate our relationship with God and our brothers in the faith, as our neighbors for whom we are called to lay down our life in order to pass from death to life. Second, receiving the Holy Spirit into your heart as the Lord and Master of your life, in His power and His wisdom that are within the commandments of the Lord, that are imprinted upon our heart and revealing the con consistency of brotherly love in the holy love of God. Therefore, the love of God agape, by the means of the Thummim and Urim abiding within our heart, reveals itself in the atmosphere of brotherly love that governs with its power over the emotional storms of our human feelings by the confessions of the faith of our heart that abide within our heart. I shall remind us that confessing the faith of our heart controls our feelings as a good rider controls his restrained horse. Considering that our time is up, we shall bend our knees <clears throat> and heads and pray. May the Lord bless us so that we would be able to receive something for ourselves however form of sin or how, whatever form of fear or your feeling of not being complete or whole God desires to free you in this place so that you can eat of the holiness of the Lord about what it is written if you will eat the body of the Son of Man and drink his blood then you will have life in yourselves if you will not eat of the body of the Son of Man or drink his blood then you will not have life in yourselves let us bend our knees and pray. We wait for you here at the altar. I shall pray together with you your prayer and I ask you to deeply believe that God is for you. He is not against you. He loves you and is ready right now 
to cast your 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 sins into hell to restore to you his benevolence his favor his love for you he knows your pain your shame your complexities your illnesses your fears and your shame he gave his only begotten son his only son to free you from all of this and so that you can you can be led into his kingdom close your eyes this is your secret room lift your hands to heaven a sign that you without wrath without doubt heavenly father in the name of Jesus Christ I come to you I open up my heart you see my pain my sufferings my shame you see the wounds that have been, have been inflicted by sin I hate sin I hate my old and sinful beginnings I love you help me deliver me from this old person deliver me from the corrupt desires in myself I hate them I want purity I want freedom from these lusts I accept into my heart the healing word the word of grace and right now before heaven and hell I want to proclaim that according to your words I am washed I am cleansed I am healed I am restored I am justified and I am saved your sins are forgiven and your trespasses in the name of Jesus Christ may the Lord bless you may he look upon you with his great face and show you mercy and give you peace may thousands and ten thousands attempt to come near you but they won't touch you may the blessing of the ancient mountains and everlasting hills be upon you may the Lord show his power and his strength and his favor and may the stronghold of death be destroyed in your body and upon its place the stronghold of life be erected may all this be upon you and upon your children and be fulfilled upon you and the nation shall say amen And so, my friends, we stand here before this great mystery that contains life, eternal life, that contains our healing, the healing of our body, our souls. You have, you have been prepared for this. I trust you've had the opportunity to receive this justification of God not looking at the fact that you came here with sin God has cast your sins into hell you need to understand this by faith and not emotions faith is information you heard that God is faithful to his word and if you made the decision to leave your sins to confess them then God from his side has done this and all of you now can take part in this great mystery I will read the place of scripture please be seated first Corinthians 11 23 and lower for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said take eat this is my body which is broken for you do this in remembrance of me in the same manner he also took the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes therefore whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord but let a man examine himself and so let him eat of his bread and drink of this cup for he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself not discerning the Lord's body 
Again, he judges not himself, according to scripture, but his neighbor, not discerning again the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged, not our neighbor. We again would judge ourselves, not our neighbor. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. And so my brothers gathering today, wait for one another. In this great mystery, anyone, any holy or any saint, holy person who has received Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and has confirmed this, this faith in the baptism of water may take part in the service in the covenant of blood. Children, of course, are excluded in this situation. God accounts righteousness to them because if we will not be as they are, then we will not have life in ourselves. And so children who, people who think that children should not take part, they do not discern the Lord's body and in this way they make themselves unworthy and they will be condemned for the fact that they themselves uh, participate unworthily but consider children cannot only those who can, can receive who anyone who hasn't taken the opportunity uh, to repent or to ask for uh, ask uh, forgiveness uh, if you've forgiven your neighbor who has offended you with your heart with your mind you made the decision God sees you forgiven then you can uh, take part. If you are in sin and have not left it, then it's, body, it's better probably to resist and not take part. Anyone who's maybe excluded or under a warning in the church should probably also uh, resist from taking uh, part. Everyone else, let's stand and pray for the bread. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we're thankful to you for your broken body, and when it shall be as this bread passing by your people, and we will take of it and eat of it, may the stronghold of death be destroyed in our bodies, and may the stronghold of eternal life be erected in our bodies. Thank you for this privilege, and thank you for this light, for this precious promise within this bread, and we worship before you, our great God, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. It's written, he had given thanks, broke it, and said, take, eat, this is my body, broken for you. Please be seated. Every person takes part for himself, just as I have done. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. When Jesus had broken the bread, this was an example. He had broken himself. He had humbled himself before his father and he committed himself to death when we break this bread he made it that he broke the bread he passed it to his sides a part of the bread to in one direction the other bread in the other direction and each one needed to break his own bread by breaking this bread they breaking it for themselves acknowledge that it is his own personal sins that had crucified Christ, that they participated together with the criminals and with the Sanhedrin when they crucified Christ, <clears throat> because he died for our sins. And breaking from our 
from our direction, from uh, us breaking this bread, <coughs> we uh, humble ourselves, we see ourselves, our, our Savior. <coughs> and so, if you remember the women who walked with the two disciples and they were sorrowful because Jesus had died, some of the women had told them that they saw Jesus as resurrected and they were very sorrowful. Jesus was walking with them and said, where is it that you're going uh, and why are you so sad? They told him, uh, they asked him, you, one coming to Jerusalem, did not know what happened. They killed the prophet. And then he began to explain, according to scripture, about this prophet that he was to resurrect. Jesus was to die and resurrect. And it, it was evening time. They asked this sojourner that was walking with them that he would come in and eat and dine with them in their house. And he came in and when they sat down, he took the bread and broke it and blessed it. And when he had broken it, they were able to identify him. And he told them, do you not, are you not quick to believe with your heart what the prophets had said? Was it not, according to scripture, that he would die and resurrect? And so in joy, they ran back to Jerusalem. They understood what he had said. When I resurrect, you'll find me in Jerusalem. I will come to you when I resurrect. And they ran there. And they were not disappointed because the words of Christ were true. When uh, they were together, Jesus behind closed doors came to them. And you are doing this at the breaking of the bread. It opens up the eyes of the heart and allows us to see what God, that God is in support of us. He's not against us. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim his death till he comes. Until his resurrection comes in our bodies. That's what it's referring to here. This is a great privilege for the Church of God to understand with their heart what it takes part in. I will ask everyone to stand and we will pray for the cup. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for the new cup of the covenant poured out for the forgiveness of sins when it shall be passing by your people and we will take of it and drink of it. May your favor come upon us. Your life may pour into our bodies through this blood. We thank you. By faith we receive this. We bend our head before you, before the cup of the new covenant poured out for the forgiveness of our many sins. Our great God, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. That road that is approached, please stand. The cup is Jesus that had died for us, one for all generations. First, often as you, as you drink this bread or eat this bread and drink this blood, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. The essence of this very mystery, this service, was never really understood throughout the many generations of Christianity. They called themselves the children of God, and they blindly took part in it. <clears throat> if Jesus said to do it, this is what we're doing, not looking at the fact that they didn't understand uh, it, they did what he had said. This was not a sin because they followed. 
they didn't understand because they were not taught. Because those that had taught uh, did not understand it either. And God showed his mercy to his people in these, la uh, la in these last days at the end of the age and began to reveal the essence of this great mystery. What we have done is not for our spirit. The spirit already has something new and is already inherent to God. It is in quality, in essence, as God is. It is immortal. But our body carries within itself signs, elements of decay. And this is necessary for our body. The Lord has taken care of our bodies when he has said, if you will not eat, my or drink my blood, eat my body, you will not have life in yourselves. He wanted that our bodies would become as his body is. And so when you drink this cup and eat this body, you in this way confirm the adoption of your body by the redemption of Christ. In this communion, there is the truth it contains the truth of the adoption of our body. Meditate about this. Thank God for this great privilege that you know that many saints today do not know and do not want to know the truth. They will not be able to know and will never be able to know because their heart is not prepared. They have not sanctified themselves properly because there's not one person that would be able to explain to them how to do that. Those who have called themselves and those who uh, bring themselves have uh, pretty much prompted them to encounters and other things like that. But you are blessed that you have uh, performed total sanctification in order to dedicate yourselves for total dedication to God and have brought into your heart, drawn into your heart, the teaching of Christ. It has allowed the Holy Spirit to reveal the mystery of the adoption of, the, of our bodies. If there's anyone that may have been accidentally passed by, if not, I will ask everyone to stand and we will proclaim our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.